We went to verse 14, and, and it said, Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of righteousness. And just in review, remember, the belt is not like our skinny belts, right? The belt of truth was more like a girdle, and everything else fastened uh, to this, this uh, undergarment that was, uh, that, was, that was worn by soldiers. The breastplate of righteousness, or the body armor of righteousness as well, was really, really important. We talked about uh, last week the three different types of righteousness. If you recall, there's the righteousness of the world, which is good works, doing good things. Hey, nothing wrong with that. You need to do good things, but it doesn't put you in right standing with God. If doing good things put you in right standing with God, then the richest people on the earth who gave the most money to charity would be in right standing with God. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that we're in right standing with God because of what Jesus has done. Another type of righteousness is the righteousness of religion. It's really bad. It's really harmful because what religion does is is instead of... uh, Instead of doing righteousness the right way, it pushes other down, so others down, so you look righteous by comparison. And it tears apart people, and it, and it, and it judges and it condemns. That's what the Pharisees did. The, the right kind of righteousness is, is attaching yourself to Jesus. And if you want to hear more about that, the CDs are in the back. Just, just so you know, CDs are in the back, videos on the website. Audio is on the website. Audio is on your favorite podcast carrier, whatever that is, okay? We want to make sure the Word of God gets into you, all right? Um, Then we looked at verse 15. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be fully prepared, fully prepared. Look, you can be, like, all all well-dressed. Imagine going to a dance, like a formal dance, and you have on, like, a tuxedo, and, ladies, you have on, like, this really, really nice gown, and then you don't have any shoes on. You, you're not fully prepared, right? Uh, even though the shoes are maybe one of the last things we think of, we got to be fully prepared, and shoes are part of that. If you're in the battle, on the battlefield, and you aren't wearing shoes, you can have your helmet and your sword and, and your body armor and all that, but, man, you're going to step on something, you're, you're out. You're no good anymore. And so the peace of God are the shoes. Um, you know, we, we said that unprotected feet lead to instability in your walk. Unprotected feet lead to instability in your walk, and, and the protection for your feet is the peace of God. Peace is not the absence of problems, but the learned skill of remaining unaffected by them. And then we continued on, and we said, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Um, you know, the shield of faith that the Apostle Paul is talking about here was a huge shield, massive. It was big enough to hide behind, and the fiery arrows are those thoughts of offense, those, those, um, those thoughts of accusation, those thoughts of lies that the enemy hurls at us hoping that someone doesn't have their shield up, okay? And so we have to be aware that the shield of faith uh, is there for us for our protection, for our protection. All right, so next, verse 17, and here's where we're getting this morning. It says, put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Put on, uh, put on salvation as your helmet, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, how many of you have, have, you have ever played a sport or done something where you had to put a helmet on? Anyone before? Okay. I, I used to play football uh, in, in high school, and you know, we would put on our helmets and stuff. And, and uh, you know, the helmet's really, really important. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, my, my older brother, Sam, I played on the line because I wasn't fast, not because I was good, because I, I, was, I was slow. And, and Sam was a little quicker than I was, and so he was actually a wide receiver. And, and Sam was a little bit crazy. He still is. I love him. 
um, and, uh, and he'd probably admit to that. But they used him as, as what's known as a slot receiver. Now, the slot receiver uh, usually is not going way down the field to catch the ball. He's just going 5, 10 yards and cutting across the middle of the field. Okay? And so Sam, on a regular basis, would get his bell rung. I mean, he would, he would catch the ball, and then someone would, would hit him. And I'll never forget, we were playing a big rivalry school. We were at their place. And so they call, they, they, they call Sam's number, and, uh, and we, we're in the game at the same time. And he goes across the middle, catches the ball, and he gets lit up by someone. I mean, just totally. It's one of those things like it would have made the highlight. As a matter of fact, it did make the highlight reel. We saw him on the news that night, which is not how you want to be on the news. <laughs> right? And, and, and so uh, he, he was, he just, you know, and of course, if you know my brother, you know what, what is coming next. So Sam, immediately after the big hit, stood up, threw the ball at the guy who was on the ground and says, that all you got? And walked back to the huddle. But when he got back to the huddle... <laughs> He didn't know where he was at all. I mean, he, <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, he was being like real cool, like to the other team, like yeah, I can handle that. But he was doing this in the huddle, and we were calling the play. He was like, wait, what? <laughs> What's coming up next? We're like, you might need to go sit down, buddy. I mean, this is, you know, look, our helmets are important. We have to protect our heads, right? I mean, you, when you're in battle, um, you know, you're, <laughs> they're coming after you. They're coming after you, and and. You know, our head represents our thinking. It represents our decision-making. It represents, it represents our thought life. And the salvation of God, I'm going to explain this more in just a second. The salvation of God protects our thought life, okay? Um, I'm, I'm going to need some volunteers. Tiff and Eva, would you come? And Chris and Dana? And then uh, Lindsay and Christian, if y'all would come up. Now, I'm going to, y'all just stand, line up across right here. Y'all are doing so good. Great. All right, if you will take one down and pass it around. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, while they're doing that, I want to read this to you. You can turn to it in your Bibles. Um, It says, it is by grace that we are saved, not through, um, it is by grace that you are saved through faith, not by works, lest any man should boast. Um, lest any man should boast. Okay, so we're going to talk about what I like to call the salvation equation. Y'all can move in a little bit here, act like you love each other. We're the family of God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Okay, so this is the salvation equation, okay? So, uh, this is based on Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. Um, It says, by grace you are saved through faith. Oh, girl, we are in the wrong place. That is the wrong salvation equation. Get on the other side of Eva. There you go. Okay, let's start over now that we're not heretical. Now that we're not a cult, we're going to do this, okay? Grace, (laughs) it's by grace you are saved through faith, all right? So grace plus faith equals salvation plus works. Now it says, it says not of works. Y'all hold these up so we can see people, you know, okay. Not of works, lest any man should boast. But then in verse 10 it says, but we are his workmanship created for good works. So so wait a minute, (laughs) So it says we're saved by grace and faith, but not of works, but that we're created for good works. What's that talking about? Well, the proper salvation equation is grace is God's activity. Grace is, is, is God's motion, God's movement on your behalf. Salvation was not your idea, right? So salvation was his idea, and he provided a way through the blood of Jesus for you to get saved. But, you're just the plus sign, sorry, I know. Um, but faith is your response to God's grace. So God says, I want you saved. 
and you say, that sounds like a great idea. So it's God's grace plus our faith that brings about salvation in our lives, right? Isn't that good news? It says, it's not of works, unless anyone should boast. In other words, God doesn't want you to be able to say that you saved yourself. He wants you to be able to say, God saved me. And so he set this equation up, and we're going to get to you in a second, Dana. Uh, (laughs) He set this equation up where the only job you have is to believe. Grace opens the door, and faith walks through it. But there's nothing that you can do on your own to bring about salvation. And then the, the question that a lot of you are thinking right now, well, well, hold on. This is Christianity. Aren't we supposed to act right? Aren't we supposed to do good things? Well, yes, but only uh, within the proper equation. So works or good, good actions, doing good things, righteousness, doing, you know, acting right, okay? Works comes at the end of the equation. Works comes at the end of the equation. So God says, I want you saved. You agree, yes and amen, faith. It brings about salvation. And then left over are good works. But works is on the other side of the equation. So Dana, follow me. Let me show you something. Scoot in between Chris and Tiff here. Now, this is what a lot of you grew up thinking that salvation was. A lot of you grew up thinking, all right, God's grace, he made a way for me. I believe it. Thank you, Jesus. Boy, I need to act right. And then I'll be saved. Isn't that what a lot of us grew up thinking? And it would never be preached like this from the pulpit, but that was, the, that was what we understood to be true, okay? We had work. This is not God's plan for salvation because this says that you have some sort of holiness in your own ability that makes you saved. And that's not what Scripture teaches. So let's go back. We're going back to the non-heretical version. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. So now we go back and we see that grace plus faith equals salvation plus works. It's a remainder of works. The works come after you're saved. Now, this is how you put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation protects your thinking and renews your mind towards this truth. Okay? This, this, is what, this is what we have to remind ourselves of because you are going to be tempted to put works right here. You're going to be tempted to even maybe put works first. Hey, you got to clean up your life, buddy. Then God's grace will come for you. That's taught, you guys. And it's a lie. It's a lie. You do have, yes, there is an expectation. You were created for good works. Scripture says that you are his workmanship. That's just, we don't use that word much. It means God's masterpiece. You're the fruit of his labor. Okay? He does want you to do good stuff. He has the ministry for you. He has stuff for you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be great. But it's only after grace and faith have united to bring about salvation in your life can you even do the good works. All right? Amen. Y'all can be seated. Thank you. Y'all give him a hand. It's just... That salvation equation is what keeps your mind protected. And just let me say, some of you guys for the first time have seen the true uh, presentation of the gospel when we just did that. Some of you for the first time just realized it wasn't about being good. It was about knowing Jesus. One of the biggest lies that, unfortunately, the church has helped 
uh, prop up is that good people go to heaven and bad people go to hell. You're not going to find that in Scripture. Thank God, because we'd all go to hell, (laughs) right? (laughs) Thank God that's not in there. What is in there is that people who attach themselves to Jesus, people who have faith in Jesus, believe on Jesus, they're the ones that that experience salvation. And, And yes, that's a home in heaven, but that's also salvation here. The word for salvation is sozo. It's a, it's a very rich, deep word, and it, it includes a bunch of different stuff, okay? So, so we put on the helmet of salvation when we renew our minds. Let me give you a trick. Let me, here's a practical way to put on the helmet of salvation. Are you ready for this? Communion. Taking communion. What are you doing every single time you take Communion. You remember that Jesus' body was broken. You take the bread and you break it. You remember that his blood was, uh, was uh, poured out and spilled for, for us. And you, and you drink the juice, right? And you, you're renewing your mind to salvation. This was God's idea. It's, it's the grace of God that brings about salvation in my life. Take communion. Y- y'all know the storm came through last week. Like everyone was like freaking out. I know y'all, y'all are like, no, not me. And you were freaking out. I know you were, and I, I haven't seen a storm come through, and I don't want to sound weird, but, but this storm had so much spiritual activity attached to it, it was crazy. I don't, I don't, I'm not like one of those prophetic seers, but I, I, I sensed there was just, a, everyone was freaking out, and because there was supposed to be a lot of tornadoes, and a lot of people did have tornadoes, a lot of people in, in other states, um, you know, got pretty messed up with it. You know what Tiff and I did? And, and, and I'm not... I'm not patting ourselves on the back or saying, hey, you know, look at us. I'm just saying we've learned how to renew our mind to our salvation. Look, if a tornado is coming at you, an F5 is coming at you, there's nothing you can do anyway, right? Except trust the Lord. So we did two things. First of all, we cleaned out the bottom of our closet underneath our stairs. So if we needed to go stand somewhere or sit somewhere during a tornado, it was there. Right? It's called wisdom. It wasn't done out of fear. We weren't panicking. But we just said, okay, let's just be prepared in case this happens. And then you know what we did afterwards? We went upstairs, we took communion, we prayed, we commanded the storm to pass, and we went to sleep. What other option is there? We renewed our our minds to the fact of our salvation. We do it. I, I encourage you, if you are married, take communion as a couple. If you're not married, take communion with your husband who is Jesus right now. All right, but take communion. It's renewing your mind to your salvation. It's putting on the helmet. Of, it protects your mind from getting all messed up. There are a lot of, there are a lot of alternative truths, <laughs> which are really lies that are out there, and you have to renew your mind. Look, you're, we, we, we don't always do the best job by ourselves determining what's true and what's not. We need the Word of God. We need to re- renew our minds to the Word. Amen? And so communion is an excellent way to do that. The other thing we see for, from this verse here is the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Um, Hebrews 4.12 says that the Word of God is as sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, let's just stop there for a second, and we're going to keep going. So let's say you're sitting at home. All of a sudden, someone kicks in your door. And three guys with masks comes in, and they're coming for whatever you got. Now, now I'm not going to ask you to answer this out loud or raise your hand, but would you rather have 
a Bible at that point, or would you rather have a two-edged sword at your disposal? Now, most of us, most of us, if we're being really, really honest with ourselves, we would put our Bible down and we would pick up that sword, wouldn't we? We would. But Scripture says that, that the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. So I want you to take that Bible and chunk it at the person. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> What's the point? The point is the promises of God that are found in the Word. Of, that are found in the Word. All right, is the sword of the Spirit. It is your, it is your weapon. Finally, look, we get to the end of this huge list of, of, of armor. You know, we've been talking about belts and helmets and breastplates and shoes and shields. Finally, all, all of that is defensive. All of that is defensive. Finally, we get an offensive weapon. And it's the word of God. It's the word of God. The scripture continues in Hebrews 4.12. It says, the word of God is sharper than, it says it's alive, it's living, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And it says it's piercing to the divisions of body, soul, and spirit. It says joints and marrow, which is another way of saying body. Okay? So it's piercing. It's able to, to break down the barriers between body, soul, and spirit. In other words, remember, we're in a war. We're in a battle, right? And we're fighting a battle. And it feels like a battle, right? And so um, when we're fighting that battle, you have to know, is this a natural situation or is this a spiritual situation? Well, what pierces and determines what's body, soul, and spirit? The Word of God. That's what Hebrews 4.12 says. Do Do you see that? So the Word of God is our offensive weapon that was created to help us, to help us pick up that sword, and finally, after defending ourselves and protecting ourselves, that we're able to attack the enemy with the word. So, so I, want you to, I want you to understand this. Every time you read the Bible, every time you study the Bible, every time you memorize Scripture, every time you sit under teaching, like you are right now, Every time you speak the word of God out loud, it's an act of war. It's an act of war. You are choosing to participate. You are using the offensive weapon that God has given to you. Now, notice, I just want to remind you, the church, unfortunately, has weaponized the word of God against people. You know what I'm talking about? We use the Bible... We use the Bible as a weapon against people. Guys, the Bible is a weapon, but it's a weapon against our enemy. Okay? How many of you got right with God because someone um, made you feel really, really bad and condemned you using the Bible? No one. If anything, it drove you away. Right? Even, Even if they were speaking words of truth, they weren't doing it in a way that you could receive it. They were weaponizing the word against a person. We don't do that. We don't, we don't weaponize the word against a person. We use the word as a weapon against our enemy. Now, if you want to read about it, Jesus is, is tempted in the desert, and the devil comes to him and, and, is, and is tempting him to do all kinds of different things, right? And, 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 and what does he do? What does Jesus do? He quotes scripture at him. He quotes scripture. He begins to speak the word. Guys, every time you speak the word, every time you study the word, it's like you're taking the sword and you are cutting through the enemies. Uh, the darkness, the spirits, everything that you do, that's your weapon. 
That's your weapon. It's not to be used against people. It's to be used against the darkness. Amen? Amen. Look, we want to utilize the sword of the Spirit. We want to utilize the sword of the Spirit. Let me, let's, let's finish out this last verse here. Verse 18. Now, this is, most people stop at verse 17 because all the cute little uh, uh, pieces of armor and stuff that, that, that Paul, the allegory is over. Okay? But he continues. He goes, and we're still talking about warfare and praying the Spirit. At all times, so all times, if you look up the Greek word all, it means all. <laughs> Praying the Spirit at all times, on every occasion, every occasion, not just bad occasions, not just when you feel you need to, every occasion. Stay alert, stay alert, be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And he actually says at the beginning of the next verse, and pray for me as well. Pray for me as well. Okay, so I, I know he's kind of left the military. He doesn't have like a, a, a body armor piece or something like that to, to, to say that prayer is. But, you know, communication is really, really important during battle. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look, the military has been on the cutting edge of communications technology. Uh, like they invented uh, the, the walkie-talkie, right? The, the GPS that we used like to get to someone's house was originally a military product. Um, they, they were the first ones to come up with text. Your teenagers weren't the first one to text. Okay, um, it was it was actually the military to, the way to send uh, you know encrypted code and stuff like that. The, mil- the communication is so important when you're at battle, right? It's so 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 important. And um, look, the good news is you don't just get issued your armor and are left to fend for yourself. God has given us the Holy Spirit, God Himself. You know, Holy Spirit's God. He is. He's just as much God as Jesus is. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as the Father is. I, and, and some of you, I said that, you're like, huh? Because many of us grew up in, in, in denominations that like, let's just not talk about the Holy Spirit. We can't control that, so we're not going to mention it. But, but look, the Holy Spirit is God. He's a person. He's God in you. He's God in you. And, and he wants to communicate with you. When you're on the battlefield of your daily life and you're, 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 you're you know, putting on your helmet and your breastplate and you're, you're doing all the things you're supposed to be doing as a believer, right? When you're on the battlefield, the Holy Spirit is like that little communications headset that's in your helmet that's telling you, okay, the enemy's coming here. It's time to go fight. Or, or maybe he says, hey, the enemy's coming from this direction. You need to run, <laughs> Right? I mean, there are times when you don't fight. There are times when you run. Scripture says flee sexual immorality. Flee. That, that's not the time to, when you're being tempted with sexual immorality, that's not the time to stand firm. Well, I'm going to see um, God's going to use me to help this person that's trying to ruin my marriage. No, he's not. Run. Flee. That's stupid. That's dumb. Flee. Make sure your, the speaker in your helmet's turned on. Okay? Because the Holy Spirit is going to be talking to you. Communication is so important. Look, we need to, and we don't have time to get into the theology of praying in the Spirit. It's a, it's a, it's a private prayer language, okay? It's, it's a type of praying in tongues that's personal between you and the Lord. It's not the kind that's interpreted on a Sunday morning service, okay? It's what he's talking about. It's, it's, Paul uses it several times in the New Testament. It's always talking about a type of tongues. It's never something else. It's never something else, okay? And I know some of you, that freaks you out. It's cool. We love you. We love you anyway. It's cool. Like, we're not going to, like... Shondo Shondai, make you do something weird, okay? We're not going to do anything like that. 
Okay? But you need to know that it's not, praying in the Spirit is not just, okay, what should I pray, Holy Spirit? That, that's not what praying in the Spirit is. It's a private, personal prayer language, okay? But this is part of our communications. You got all your gear on, now you need to, you need to communicate with home base, right? All right, so you're not done once you put on all your armor. Now you got to get your marching orders. So we need to be prayer warriors. Look, when you are struggling, when you are wrestling, when you are in a fight, when you are in a battle, man, I understand, especially if, if, if it's so easy to get offended at God and say, God, why did you let this happen? And, and let, let me just tell you, when you're going through a situation and, and you're, you're, you're beginning to doubt, look, it, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Because the enemy will come in and say, oh, look, you were never saved. You're doubting the Lord. All it means is that you stand. You, we talked about this last week. You put up your shield of faith. You pray. Don't stop communication with God just because you're mad at him. Talk to him through the anger. Talk to him through the disappointment. Okay? There will be a time where he will give you the answer, the theological answer you need. You need but that, 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 that's not probably during the, the, the height of battle. During the height of battle, you just need to be talking you just need to be making sure your armor's on. And then having done all, when, when, the, when the dust settles, that you're still standing, and then you can say, Lord, uh, what was that about? There's a time for that, but it's not usually during the middle of the battle. You've got to stand strong. You've got to stand firm. You've got to be in it to win it. <laughs> You've got to be in it to win it. And, and my question to you this morning is the question I've asked every single time. When the battle rages, and it is going to come your way, Will you be dressed to kill? Will you have put on the full armor? And I encourage you. I know some people who get up every morning, they say, Lord, I put on the full armor of God. I put on the helmet of salvation. I put on the breastplate. I put on the belt. I put on the shoes. Carry the shield. Do the, do the sword. That's cool. Make it a prayer. But also, don't just make it a prayer that you do every morning. Like, actually remind yourself of your salvation through communion. Like, actually pray in the Spirit to keep the communication lines open, right? Study the Word to find out the truth of God. Like, do the things, like, put, like, recognize that I need peace. Peace are my shoes. Peace are the buffer between me and the ground that hurts, okay? Put on those shoes of peace, right? And these are the things we need to do in order to overcome. Let's stand for prayer. Now,